This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We've been talking about the voice of God, and I want to carry on with that this morning. Um, if you want to open your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to start reading from verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me just fix my gadgetry and then we'll get going. We'll say a, a good morning to Leslie in Florida this morning. Because we, we never say hello to her, but she always texts me. She, she lets me know if I'm doing okay or if I need a little bit of a boost or something. She keeps me straight. I've got an itchy nose. I've got things that don't work. I've got glasses I don't need. Okay, here we go. Everybody's got their decades that they like, and the decade that you really like is probably the decade that you grew up in. If you listen to people and you speak to them about the decade that they grew up in, they'll sit and say, I like 70s music, and 90s isn't bad, but 80s is the best. That's because you grew up in the 80s. There's a lot to be said for the 80s. There were some really weird things that happened in the 80s. And there's some very, there's some fashion statements that should stay back in the 80s. We'll refer to them and we look at them, we laugh at them and we appreciate them. But they should stay back 30 years ago or 40 however many years, I can't add up. But there were good things that came out of the 80s. One of the good things that came out of the 80s was late 70s, early 80s was the best James Bond, Roger Moore. The, I don't know. You don't count. You, you're the wrong decade. People have got their ideas about who the best Roger Moore is. And all I can tell you is this. If it's not Roger Moore, that's why you're in church today. We're going we're to give you truth. But there was a movie that came out in the 80s, and it was called Romancing the Stone. You see, you, you hadn't thought about that in about 35 years, had you? Romancing the Stone. And the whole premise of Romancing the Stone is... Um, they, there was this man and this woman and they're on a journey and they're on a journey to, to go and discover this jewel and they're out there in pursuit of this jewel because they have the idea that what they're really going to discover is they're going to discover this fabulous large gem and it's going to be worth incredible amount of money and everybody's going to live happily ever after. And so they're in pursuit of this treasure and the problem with it is halfway through the movie they discovered that the jewel was in fact not a gem, but was a holy man. They were in pursuit of something that they actually were in possession of all of the time. We're learning how to hear God's voice. And we're wanting to get to that place where we're able to recognize his voice and hear him speaking into our life because his life is transformational. My words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. If you want to change your life, we've got to get to a place where I'm in a, a spot where I'm able to converse with him, where I not only can pray to him, but I can hear his voice speaking into my life. It changes me. We've got to walk with a God that we can communicate with. God is looking to communicate with us. The point that I want to make is this. Perhaps the premise is that we're not really trying to find the voice of God, but actually we're in pursuit of something that we've been in possession of all the time. You see, we're trying to hear something that actually we've been hearing all the time. The challenge with it is we just didn't recognize it. 
So it becomes important for us because when we get to that place, we move to the, place, to the point where we begin to recognize that my journey needs to shift a little bit because I'm not in pursuit of something outside of me. I'm in pursuit of something that I'm already in possession of. And what I need to do is it's not a place where I'm trying to discover something. It's a point where I'm trying to discern something. I already have it. It's on the inside of me. God is speaking to me all the time. The question is, am I able to discern what it is that he's saying to me? So my journey shifts a little bit because I recognize that the very thing, the treasure that I'm in pursuit of, I actually own and I have ownership of and I'm hearing on a regular basis. The reason that they couldn't find the gem is because they were looking for it in all the wrong places. The reason that they couldn't find the jewel was because they were looking in a destination where the jewel wasn't to be found. It's one of the biggest challenges that we have as Christians is that when we become a new creation in Christ, our life begins to shift and our life begins to change. And God introduces us to the truth and the reality that our inner world becomes more consequential and of far more importance than our exterior world. Everything that he does in our life and everything that begins to happen in our life is initiated from that central place where he meets with us. Our destiny is not in front of us. Our destiny is inside of us. Our destiny is not something that you're going to discover out there. I've got to come to the place where I recognize that the destiny that I'm looking for is something that I've been in possession of all of the time. And when I get to that place where I begin to recognize that the greater one lives on the inside of me and he's wanting to express himself through me and he's wanting to redefine who I am so that I can step into my true identity, I've discovered my destiny, but it's inside of me, it's not in front of me. When you became a new creation in Christ, it was something that took place on the inside of you. But it was something that was designed to have consequence throughout your life. Because as your mind is renewed, so what Christ did on the inside of us and the very life that is inhabiting this inside of us is supposed to come out and and begin to infuse and inform my thoughts and my thinking, the way that I feel, the way that I uh, approach life, and the way that I have influence in those different environments. But it started on the inside of me. God's provision comes to our central place. It comes to a point of a new reality on the inside of us. And as I get connected to that new reality, and as I begin to live from that place of his provision, so I'm able to take that and I'm able to introduce it into my world. The point that I'm wanting to make is that everything comes to that central place. John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit And in truth, what he's saying is that the way that God communicates with us is spirit to spirit. It's spirit to spirit communication. Don't go looking for the voice of God outside of there. Don't go looking for the voice of God outside of where you are. We create that expectation because we talk to people about the significance and the importance of hearing God's voice. And when we talk about a voice, we're talking about the ability to be able to hear someone who's using language to communicate to me. I've titled this morning's message, In Pursuit of a Voice, I Found a Thought. In Pursuit of a Voice, I Heard a Thought. I found a thought. John chapter 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. 
My sheep hear my voice. The, the statement that Jesus made was incredibly strong. He didn't sit and say, okay, well, here's an idea. Those of you who consider yourself sheep. He didn't sit and say, okay, some of the sheep hear me, but others don't. He made a statement. He said, my sheep hear my voice. If you have the life of God living on the inside of you, you're a sheep. Say, I'm a sheep. Okay, this is for all the sheep. You hear his voice. That's what he said. The point of everything is this. We are mistaking voice for hearing what he's saying. He's saying that you are hearing him even though you don't perhaps recognize it. If you talk about voice, we talk about a concept called language. Language is important because language becomes the tool where I'm able to take an idea or a concept that's important to me. And the way that I use language is it becomes a tool to be able to communicate to other people, this is what I'm thinking. This is a reality that's on the inside of me. Here is a concept that's true to me that I'm wanting for you to be able to grasp and grab a hold of. So I use language to be able to communicate. Really what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to take a concept and an idea and what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to use my words so what I do is I engraft into your mind the same idea. So when you and I are sitting talking, what's ending up happening is I'm using words so that what you're grabbing hold of are my words and it's creating on the inside of you a thought. The thought that you have is what I'm trying to express to you. I'm using language, I'm using voice to get there. The purpose of language is idea transference. It's a thought. The point is this. We are hearing thoughts all the time and we are gathering thoughts all the time. The challenge is that we think that all the thoughts that we have come from us. What we don't, or or very often what we haven't done, is got to the place where we become more discerning of it and recognize the fact that all the thoughts that I have may not necessarily be authored by me, and they may be authored from a different place. It's important to understand that God doesn't necessarily have to use a voice or language to communicate an idea. What he wants you to do is he wants you to get the thought. If you get the thought, he doesn't need to use language. So actually, what we perhaps should do is we should certainly say to people, you don't need to hear the voice of God. You need to just capture the thoughts of God. You see, if you capture the thoughts of God, you got what he's trying to communicate to you. The problem with it is in some ways I think we steer people in different directions because they're trying to hear the languaging. They're looking for the voice as opposed to grasping for the idea. He wants us to get hold of the idea. If you get the idea, you've got what he's trying to communicate to you. Ideas become important. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, and if you read it out of the Passion, What it says is the mature children of God are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. The mature children of God are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, I don't have to use words. What he's saying is, I want you to grasp my ideas. And the way that you're going to grasp my ideas is I'm going to put thoughts into your mind. And I'm going to 
put those thoughts in there and I want for you to grab a hold of them. But I need for you to come to a place in your relationship with me and I need to you, for you to move to a place of maturity so that I get to a point where I'm able to exercise discernment in my life. I'm recognizing that thoughts are coming in on a regular basis. And some of those thoughts are going to come from me. And other of, the, other of those thoughts, or some of those other thoughts, that's better English, are going to come from the spirit world. And I need to be able to identify which one comes from which. Because there is a truth that I need to operate off, which is not all thoughts come from me. One of the biggest challenges that we have with Christians trying to discern what God's trying to communicate to them is that they have this idea that every thought that I have is authored by and originates from me. And as a result of them, we put uh, that idea, we put it all into a complete bundle and we take ownership of it. And we sit and say, these are my thoughts. And then I'm trying to find God and God's sitting saying, I'm in amongst the bundle. I'm caught in the bunch. What I need you to do is I need for you to have that discernment. I need for you to have a filter through which you're able to process your thoughts so that you can sit and say, that's from me and that's not. So where did that come from? So we understand that our journey begins to shift a little bit because we're not trying to discover something that's outside of ourselves. We're not trying to discover a treasure that's to be found out there. We are looking for discernment and the ability to be able to take and synthesize the thoughts that are in the inside of me and recognize which one of those are initiated and do I take ownership for and which ones are authored elsewhere. How do we do this in a practical way? What I would suggest to you is this. The thoughts that are initiated on our behalf flow as a result of a chain of logic. What happens is they are the product of analysis. If you take your eye and you look at something... What you have your focus on at that point, you are going to put your energies into. And so you're going to look at it, you're going to analyze it, you may consider it, you may end up with viewpoints on it. What's ending up happening is, in your analysis of that, a whole bunch of stuff is coming out and is being produced. So I have a look at it and I say, oh, there's Jackie this morning. Rafa, keep it friendly now. (laughs) There's Jackie this morning. And so, oh, and I really like those shoes. It came from me. And they look really good. And I like those, and I wish I had a pair of those. I wonder if they come in men's shoes and men's sizes. And then I'm thinking, well, I can't really see whether she's smiling or whether she's angry at the moment because she's got a mask on. What's happening? In my processing of having a look at her because she's the focus of my attention, I'm absorbing a whole bunch of information. And as I'm processing the information, thoughts are being generated in my mind. So thoughts that are analytical in nature come from me. Anytime I look at something and I'm the one who is responsible for generating what's happening right there, who's responsible for exercising analysis, the product of that is from me. Thoughts that don't come from me come from an outside place. They just pop in. Why? Because you didn't initiate them. I'm busy looking at Jackie, talking about this, and the next thing I hear you know what? You forgot your wallet at home, so now you can't get lunch. And I think, well, where did that come from? 
came out of nowhere. It came out as a distant place. It's not part of the process that's happening currently. It's a spontaneous thought. Let me give you an, an, an example that may make it a little bit easier to express. Colton loves his football. The whole purpose for school and his life is for a ball filled with air. So Colton goes and he gets onto the field and he's playing defense. Defense. My kids correct me. Dad, we don't speak like that here. He's playing defense. And so he's down. And he's looking and he's watching what's going on. And he's got his eye on the center because he's watching what's going to happen with that ball. And he's got his eye peeled and he's looking at what's happening with the quarterback and what's going. And there's the line and who's moving and what's happening behind it. And he's processing all of that's going on right at the moment. And he's sitting thinking, what's going to happen? What can I anticipate? Where do I think that the ball's going to move? What is it that I need to do? It's all part of his process. It's all part of his analysis. And the thoughts that are generated are all coming from him. And in his anticipation of what should happen, all of a sudden his coach from the sideline says Colton go wide spontaneous thought never came from him he wasn't thinking about going wide at any point it was something that suddenly came into his economy and suddenly he had to process that and be like whoa I didn't think about that I need to be aware of something I wasn't thinking about previously that's the way that God deals with us So when we're looking at our thoughts, the things that I'm focusing on and the things that I'm processing are generating my thoughts. But the things that are spontaneous in my life come up like that. And they never came from me because I wasn't even thinking about it at that point. And so I recognize that they've been authored by something else, by somebody else. So there's a place in our life to perhaps have a look and sit and say, things, thoughts, that are analytical in nature, are generated by me. Thoughts that are spontaneous in nature come from a different source. It starts to make sense to us and it starts to develop more gravitas when we have a look at the idea that I am a branch grafted into a vine. In John chapter 15, it gives us, it speaks to us about the importance of the fact that we are branches. You're not just a sheep. You've become a branch. Say, I'm a branch. But you don't stand alone. You're a branch that is grafted into a vine. The branch doesn't live out there independently. The branch doesn't produce out there independently. The branch is not something that lives independently of the vine. The important thing, the most important thing that the branch can understand and live from is the truth that I'm connected to the vine. You see, when I move from that place where I recognize that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, Galatians 2.20 takes on a whole new premise. And I begin to understand at that point that it's not me living independently of something. It's not me doing the things that I want to do in isolation of the fact and the reality that I have another one who flows through me. So the thoughts that I'm generating do not all come from me, but there is a vine on the ins- that, that is influencing me. There is a vine where a greater one is having influence in who I am and is looking for opportunity to pepper my life with thoughts, his ideas and his concepts. 
John chapter 7, verses 37 to 38. It says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. If you're a branch from your innermost being, it's going to flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. What he's saying is, the Holy Spirit is alive on the inside of you. What he's saying is, the Holy Spirit is always moving. The Holy Spirit is always talking. The Holy Spirit always has something to say. And what he's inviting us into is the opportunity to be able to connect with the river that's on the inside of us so that we can encounter it and we can experience it. We should be experiencing God every day. It's not a simple theology, this. This is a practical invitation to sit and say, God wants to have meaningful impact and influence in our lives every day. He's looking for the opportunity for us to experience him regularly. The Holy Spirit is speaking. The Holy Spirit is talking. The Holy Spirit is alive on the inside of us. The thoughts that come from that place are thoughts that are initiated and are spontaneous. What God is looking for us to do is move to that place of maturity where I begin to recognize the fact that as a branch, I can exercise and I can feel the vine moving through me and I become discerning of his input and his influence in my life. God is so good that God is, when it comes to our life, God is ubiquitous. Sometimes we think God is only interested in spiritual things. I only can meet God when I pray for him, when we get together in prayer, because that's spiritual. I can get together with God when I move to a place where we get into praise and worship, because that's spiritual. I've got great news for you. He just wants to be part of you every day. Do you know, every moment of every day, The invitation that he extends to us is to change our way of living and to become sensitive to the fact that the river is flowing. And in everything that we do, the more I begin to develop a sensitivity between my thoughts, which are analytical, and those spontaneous ones that pop up, and rather than discounting them, rather than leaving them, rather than marginalizing, but beginning to elevate those and bring them into the mainstream of my life and use them as an influence to give direction to my life and to move me into a position that gives answers and creative solutions to my life, I begin to experience God in a real way on an ongoing going basis when we have a challenge in life and something happens and you're trying to to sort that problem out and all of a sudden out of the blue you have an idea that comes to you and you think that could work that could be a solution do you think it's your genius at play or could it just be the river flowing so my mom calls me And she says, our door is broken. Rafa, I know, it's bad. She says, the lock doesn't work. It's like it's getting all stuck. 
So I said, okay. I said, I know nothing about locks. So I quickly, Google is everything. It's like, so I went and Googled. So it's like, okay, fine. So I went and took the lock apart and I took it out and I went and I got some oil and I pulled it back and flushed oil in and it was working beautifully. I mean, better than you. Any locksmith would have been jealous of me. I took it and I put it back in and it was like, you just put both handles, twist and turn and it worked fabulously, fabulously. I got a call from my mom. <laughs> and she says, remember that lock you fixed? <laughs> she says, well, the good news is it works. The bad news is the door keeps blowing open. <laughs> and I'm thinking, the door keeps blowing open? What is she talking about? And I start thinking about it. And I thought, you know, did I get every little bit of that? And did I you know, get all of it oiled and did I get all the pieces or did I over oil it? And And I'm having this thought and my analytical mind is looking at all the oiling and what's happening. And suddenly out of the blue, I hear when you replace the lock, you put it in back to front. (laughs) Where did that come from? The river speaks. The river speaks. It's a silly example, but I want you to understand that God takes pleasure and delight in participating in the silly things of your life. You don't have to come to church. You should come to church. And all you people who are out there doing other stuff and you think I don't see you on Facebook, but you can't come to church. I know. You should come to church. The point that I'm making is you don't have to meet God at church to the exclusion of your life. You don't have to meet God in prayer to the exclusion of your life. You don't have to meet God at a point where you see him in worship and you experience him in worship to the exclusion of your life. He wants to pop up in all the strangest little places and you're going to recognize him. And the thing is, when you get to that place, you begin to recognize and value the spontaneous voice. So you begin to look and you begin to listen for it. So your lifestyle begins to shift because all of a sudden, the spontaneous voice took on credibility. And I begin to recognize it's the avenue that he wants to speak to me. It took me 50 years to get there. But it's never too late. And you begin to recognize what he's doing. The word for intercession in the Hebrew is pega. And what it really means is to strike upon by chance. To strike upon by chance. It speaks about an unexpected Intervention, an unexpected, um, what's the word? An unexpected, coming to me, intersection. An unexpected intersection. That's what it means. What it's saying is, it's speaking about the spontaneous voice. It's unexpected. What it's talking about is when God's voice is recognized in my mind as a spontaneous voice thought. Have you ever had a time where perhaps you're driving along and you're singing merrily to Christmas carols? Can I just make fun of one thing, please? I, I, no service can pass by that I can't make fun of this. 
that it's like, and you're wearing your mask and you're in your car alone. <laughs> and you're singing Christmas carols. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, what was, where was I going? And you drive and you're singing, oh, holy night. And you're singing as loud as you can. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, bang, something comes into your head. And it says, you know what? Pray for them. Spontaneous thought. Or you fast asleep in the middle of the night and suddenly you wake up and it goes, pray for this. What is it? It is a spontaneous thought. It is a God idea that unexpectedly is intersecting with my mind. It's God speaking to my spirit. And my spirit taking that and interpreting it and putting it into my mind as a thought. And it's suddenly sitting saying, this is something which is serendipitous. I love that word, serendipity. It's a cool word, hey? Unexpectedly good that comes into my mind. What is it talking about? It's talking about the spontaneity of God. It's talking about how God spontaneously wants to pop up and rock up in our lives. But you know what? It's not only about spontaneity. God is inviting us into a lifestyle where as we begin to recognize his voice and we become more sensitive and we're able to discern his influence in our life, we move to a place where we don't only have the spontaneous popping up, but we look for his voice of regularity. Remember the story of Jesus and he meets the woman at the well and he starts talking to her about the river of life. And she says, I really like that. And he said, I'll tell you what, why don't you go and call your husband and come and, and speak to me? She said, yes, I, I'm going to go and get hold of my husband right now. And he says, actually, you don't have a husband, do you? And she says, no, I, I've had five. He said, yes. And the one that you have right at the moment is not your husband either. Where did he get all of that? Where did he get that? He got it from his spirit. What he got was the Holy Spirit speaking to him. What's important is we use the term prophecy nowadays in the context where very often we look at prophecy and it takes on the context of being able to project and speak about what's happening in our future. But if you have a look at the original word for, for um, uh, prof, uh, the prophetic, it's prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-E in the Greek. And really what it speaks about, it, it, from, it flows from the prefix pro meaning from. And it it speaks about the function of speaking. Speaking forth that which is not available or accessible to the eye. It speaks about speaking forth that which is the divine will internally. So what it's saying is, when they talk about the prophetic, they're not only sitting talking about what your future is going to look like, but it's something that's coming from the inside of you, and it's affecting circumstances and situations and in realities in which we find ourselves right now. What God is saying is, I want to be part of your life in all contexts. I want to spontaneously pop up, but I want you to start to develop a lifestyle where you begin to recognize the value of hearing my voice and positioning yourself with regularity so that you're able to do that. One of the best examples of talking about hearing the voice of God is Peter. And he gives us two great examples in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus is there and he's talking to his disciples and what does he say? He says, who do men say that I am? 
And everybody's got an opinion. He could live in this day and age. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> and everybody's happy to voice their opinion as well. Anyway. And everybody's voicing their opinion. And Peter pipes up and he says, no, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, blessed are you, Simon, bar Jonah. Why? Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What is he saying? Your natural thought processes never came up with this. Your ability to analyze the situation is not what produced this in your life. What he's saying is where you got that from was the spontaneous voice of God speaking to you. What he's saying is your life is blessed when we get to the point where we recognize and we value the spontaneous voice. Because he's going to come up and he's going to introduce us to truth. It's called revelation. We talk about rhema. We talk about rhema moments. Rhema moments are when our lives intersect with the spontaneous. And Peter was on cloud nine. (laughs) He was like, listen, I know the other 11 are pretty cool because we all carry the label disciples. I was the one with the revelation. He was beaming from ear to ear. But it was short-lived. Because if you read on a little bit further in the chapter, Jesus begins to talk about the fact that, listen, I've got to give you the big picture here. I'm going to explain to you what's happening. And I need for you to understand this because it's going to take place. And he starts talking to them about the fact that he didn't come to establish a natural kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. He starts to speak about the fact that when he came down here, the purpose for which he came was to suffer and to die. And they're all listening to this. And the the next minute, Peter comes forward and he says to him, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, Jesus. But he says, you know what? I don't believe that that's what you should be. This is Gavin's paraphrase. I don't, that's not something that you should endure. That's not something that you should go through. That shouldn't be something that is a part of your future. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns around to him. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say, stop talking nonsense, Peter. What does he say? Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Why? Because he had a spontaneous thought. If we have a spontaneous thought, it came from the spirit world, but it never came from the right place. Just because we have spontaneous thoughts doesn't mean that every thought that is spontaneous comes from God. Thoughts that we have that come, that are spontaneous, that come from the spirit world can come from one of two places. And so we have to exercise discernment when it comes to that. Jesus wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the spontaneous voice that popped up. The spontaneous thought that came into his mind. And he was sitting, saying to Satan, you have no place here. Why? Because he recognized the author of the thought. We have a responsibility to recognize the author of the thoughts that come into our our mind. Not every thought that we have that is spiritual in nature is of God. What does it say? Bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. Why do we have to do that? Because not every thought comes from him. There are some thoughts that come from the deceiver. And when thoughts come from the deceiver, we have to be discerning enough to be able to recognize them. Being able to hear the voice of the spirit world is transformational in our life. 
because it'll introduce us to the opportunity to define my thoughts, thoughts that come from the Holy Spirit or from God, and thoughts that come from the deceiver and the enemy. It's important to recognize those just as important as it is to recognize thoughts that come from God. Why? Because if you don't do something about the thought when it comes from the wrong place, you're going to live with it and it's going to have influence in your life. Earlier in the week, um, I can't remember what the incident was. Something happened. It's always something with kids. Something happened. And as a result of the something, like Carter got all funny and mean about it. And I, I was like, listen, don't behave like that. Okay, that's not the way to deal with the circumstance. Don't deal with the situation and don't deal with people that way. And he said to me, you know what? The thing is, I never feel as though you take my side. The thing is, you always take the side of Colton and Vivian. What he doesn't know is that they all tell me the same thing about the other two. <laughs> you always take the, one of the, of the, other, the, the side of the other one. And the thing about it is, it, it got to the place where we were having a discussion about it and suddenly he was like, you know, the thing is, I'm just not as important as them. Satan goes round as a roaring lion seeking whom he can plant a thought with. People say, oh, you know, I was tempted of the devil. How were you tempted? Where did the thought come from? I had a thought. I had an idea. And I stopped for a moment and I left it because when it's hot, especially with being, that's not the time to deal with it. But I went back and dealt with it later. Why? Because not all thoughts that are spontaneous and that come from the spirit world come from him. And so if I have a thought that comes from the destroyer and I allow that into my life, what will end up happening is it'll undermine the relationship between him and me and it'll compromise his identity. It's destruction. Why? He's too young to recognize the fact. Be careful with thoughts. The mature children of God are those who are motivated or moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, not by other impulses. Be careful because maturity is incumbent upon us as Christians. Because you're going to get thoughts that are spontaneous. And all too often, the moment that we grab hold of a thought that doesn't come from him, it'll lead to something that indulges our flesh or our emotions, and it's an invitation to offense. If you're offended, it didn't come from the right place. It came from the wrong space. In our journey with God, the encouragement that I want to give you is this. Be discerning about what comes from the spirit world. Check it to make sure that it comes from the right place. Give credit where credit is due. When you're at a place and God shows you that the lock has been put in the wrong way around, you say, thank you, Holy Spirit. You know what? You showed me something and you've given me the opportunity to fix it. And it hasn't opened since. You're giving me the opportunity, but I recognized something and it was more than the incident, but it was an invitation to expand dependence on the spontaneous that comes from him. And so in my relationship, I sit and say, 
gee, you know what? It's not a case of everybody, look how great I am. As much as it is a case of sitting saying, thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing me that. In recognizing it, there's value in it. When I give credit to the Holy Spirit, what I'm doing is I'm saying to you, I'm inviting you into my life because I'm recognizing you and I'm appreciating your contribution. But you also give credit where credit is due when it comes to the enemy. Don't take blame. Don't take guilt. Don't take on things that he wants to put into your life that do not originate from God. And when you recognize something like that, be quick to take authority over it and bring it, take it captive. If you need to check it, Look at the character. Things that come from God are things that are going to enlarge your life. Things that come from God are creative in nature. They're compassionate in nature. He's the divine lover. He's the giver. He's the healer. He's the teacher. Things that come from the enemy are things that will accuse, steal, murder, destroy, and kill. Look at the spontaneous thoughts that come into our life and give credit where credit is due. God wants to have a robust and exciting, a dynamic and an effective everyday encounter with us. He wants us to live and walk through our days with him. He wants us to get to the place where we recognize the fact that he's speaking all the time. And the more that we begin to recognize, appreciate, and value the spontaneous voice, the more we'll recognize it and the more it'll take place in our lives. The more we give credit to him, And we begin to seek that out. So we begin to position ourselves in a place where we become sensitive to what's happening on the inside of us and his prompting and his leading. And he's giving us insight and he's giving us the opportunity to voice that which is not necessarily visible to the eye. It's divine truth that's on the inside of who we are. What changes our life is our relationship with him. To be able to speak with God and to be able to hear his thoughts is what's important. Most people don't hear his voice. Even in the Bible. Most people don't hear his voice. Because it doesn't work like that. Not in in the New Testament. There's a reason that you have the Holy Spirit. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that God can't do that, but I'm talking about how we run our everyday lives. Jackie, you pray for us, because we had to pick on you earlier. (laughs) Uh, Here you go, here you go. Camera, sorry. This is my job. I don't know what I'm doing. Father God, we just, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Papa. We thank you, Papa, that today we've given you the glory. 
that we've set our eyes on you, Father God. Father, I thank you that I think we're all feeling just your wanting and desire to be in connection and communion with us. And Holy Spirit, we want nothing else but you in our lives. Yeah. So Father, I thank you for this message, for the reminder of who you're called to be in our life and what we're called to be, Father God. Holy Spirit, we give you access to our thoughts. We give you access to our heart. Yeah. I thank you that we get to practice it every single day. Every single day. And if we realize, wow, today I didn't listen to you, you're like, it's okay, we get to try again. Father, I thank you for the grace that you've given us. Yeah. For the honor of serving you. Father, let our lives be just a light everywhere we go. And a reminder to the world and an example to the world that you are real. Yeah. That you are here, that you have come, that you did come. Yeah. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. And Holy Spirit, we just say, have your way. Have your way today, tomorrow, and every day. Yeah. And we just bless Pastor Gavin. Thank you for his words. Yeah. Thank you for his anointing. Yeah. In Jesus' name. We just bless this week. And... In Jesus' name, amen.